Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the I'm Always Right podcast. I am your host, once again, the Malcolm Michigan, Robin Dyka, along, as always, with my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm good. How are you doing, Rob? I am doing fantastic. First, we'd like to start off the show by saying thank you to everybody who took a listen to our debut episode last week. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud as well as on Twitter, and a YouTube channel and Instagram profile will be posted in the near future, so be on the lookout for that. Um, right now, I'd like to take a moment to introduce the third and final member of our team. She is our social media advisor, our executive producer, as well as our general overall director. She is the brain, Emily Merkel. Emily, how you doing? Great. Thanks for asking, Rob. Yeah, that's awesome. As you guys know, as you may have noticed, Mike... And Emily's last name are the same. They are brother and sister. And the answer to the next question, yes, Emily is dating the mouth of Michigan. We are getting married. You're all lucky that we're doing that. Okay, so we're going to get right into it, just like as we did as lead at the end. We kind of teased some things last week. We teased the WWE network increase as well as some storyline stuff. We're going to go right into the network increase. Now, Mike, you mentioned at the end of last week how WWE is toying with the idea of having multiple tiers possibly one that doesn't include pay-per-views, possibly another little higher price where it may involve some other independent promotions like uh, ICW, Progress in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what basically, the, the question I want to start off with is, would you still subscribe if they go the tier route? Do you think that, is that something to where you'd be interested in? Or are you completely, you know, completely putting the kibosh on the whole idea of the tiered system? I think it's a total kibosh. I love that word, by the way. Yeah. But I would stay, unless you raise the price and also add quite a lot of features. I need right. to see more companies. I want to see more, like, evolve and progress. Mm-hmm. The companies that are with WWE at the moment. Right, right. But um, I would stay at what we have right now, the nine ninety nine. I like the, you know, the pay-per-views that you get, mm-hmm. the NXT shows. Mm-hmm. I think we get enough right now right. but if they go if they do go higher you're gonna have to add stuff to it right now and, th- and that's something that you obviously you kind of have to weigh the pros and cons of does it matter at all the price increase right say i've heard things i've heard some outlandish prices like 20 20 bucks a month i feel like that's a bit much, much. but do you think if they want like say 13 dollars a month do you think that that changes your opinion at all or are you kind of like at the point now where 10 dollars, i'm getting my streaming service it's just like netflix in that regard yep. where you're kind of it just just leave it the way it is. Don't mess with it. It's obviously working. Yeah, as we know, the numbers have grown consistently year after year as far as subscriber growth. Do you think that they should just kind of leave it be? Well, I guess the question, would you rather have it stay the same or for an extra, say, $3 a month, get what you're saying? Get those other promotions. Get involved. Get progress. Get these other companies on board so you can see their programming as mm-hmm. well. I would, um, as of right now, I would like it to stay the same. I think okay. everything's fine right now. Mm-hmm. But, however, if mm-hmm. they do do, like, oh, you can get a 30-day free trial to try this mm-hmm. $12.99 or $13 or $14 mm-hmm. edition of it, right. and you get all these different shows and everything, mm-hmm. even maybe live events, if there's some good stuff on live events if you want to see, right. then I would definitely take a look at it, and if it's something I would want, right. then now, that's when you go. Now, break, loop it in, and here, I know, Em, you're not as the big wrestling fan like me and Mike are. However, you do have to sit and watch a lot of these events with us on a, on a pretty consistent basis. Um just coming from an overall outsider perspective, especially from the business point of view, I know that you are pretty familiar with the business aspect in a lot of regards. Do you think that it's smart for WWE to do this, knowing full well that you're kind of hoping uh, that 
by increasing these prices, even if it's by a couple bucks, if you multiply that by two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, uh, three hundred thousand people, that's a pretty steady increase of income coming into the WWE. Do you think that that's something long term that would be beneficial to them, or do you think they could just kind of stay the course? Well, I think there are a couple of things you have to look at whenever you're evaluating the way a business is making its decisions. The first big thing is. I think the best way to drive revenue and continued growth is providing value. So what is the value? For example, over 10 bucks a month, you're getting into Netflix territory. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how often are people sitting around watching WWE as much as they're watching Netflix? I mean, at hey, the end... Hey, hey, a lot of original <laughs> content now. Come on, don't poke the bear. Don't poke the bear. But I, I, do, I do know what you're saying. But yes, you're right. Continue. So there's value-based content. People, people are valuing it at, okay, 10 bucks a month. That hits my value. But if you're not adding anything to that, right. then I don't think that your fans are going to be particularly thrilled. You, have, you run the risk of hurting brand loyalty right. by kind of jading your customers a little bit, who a lot of these people, I'm sure, have been subscribed to this. From the get go, from right. the very right. Well, and, and, and I think you make, a, I think you bring a great point there, where uh, the brand loyalty, right? The WWE has been the has been the company as far as professional wrestling is goes for years, right? Pretty much, I would say since about, especially since WCW closed. But if you really think about it, probably since the nineteen eighties, since the birth of Hulkamania, has the WWE really been the place to be? But I, I guess my question to both of you guys is: If say the price does increase, do, does it? What do you need to see, right? I know, M, from your perspective, you look at it as, as something to where, at the end of the day, you're going to see a positive, you're going to see growth, right? You may not care for the programming, but there are stuff that, they, that WWE has tried to do. The Total Bella show, for instance, I know is a big hit on E, uh, you know, the Total Divas and stuff. Th those shows produce ratings, you know what I mean? And then I think that is a little bit more tailored to a more female audience, clearly. Um, do, do you think that, as a, as a general fan, do you think... Is there anything that they could add for you, knowing full well that you know you're just kind of a bystander of it? But is there something that you'd like to see as a, you know, kind of I'll watch it when it's on, but if it's not, it doesn't really hurt me as much. So I think for your casual wrestling fan who's like, I'm down to watch a good pay per view. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much content they really can be adding. Like okay. how many of your fans really are like gonna want to watch tons of reality shows because right. of the popularity of streaming services. I have a hard time believing the cost of operation has gone up that much. Right. So the only added thing would be more original content. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it gets a little tricky. Mm -hmm. Would it be like maybe sharing like training plans, workout videos, like things like that? I don't know right. if That's people would be interested in that. Explored. Right. Absolutely. You know. Mike, how about you? Because you, you and I obviously are definitely more into the wrestling scene as far as other companies, Ring of Honor, New Japan, which we'll go into in, in further episodes clearly. But is there something that if this price increase does happen, what are you looking for? Is it just those other promotions? Because I know that's a big thing for me personally. If they were to put on ICW, put on Progress, put on some of these other companies yeah. and, and put their iPay-per-views on there for free like they're doing with their current pay-per-views, now that's something that would be very interested oh, in yeah. to see that kind of new wave of the future, see mm -hmm. some of those guys and see, okay, that guy's going to be at the big star, that guy's going to be a big star, that guy's going to be a big star. Is that is that it for you, or would you do you need something else? Do you need more original content? Do you need more backstage stuff? Do you is it live events? I mean, because we both know if they ever went and did this, it's going to be one live event. It's going to have one title change, and it's going to be the greatest thing ever. And people are yep. going to watch these forever, and nothing's ever going to happen. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like every other show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like that Starcade event they put on a couple weeks ago. It, nothing happened. You, you know yeah. what I mean? It was, it was an hour for no reason. But what else do you need to see? If anything, or are you just completely just saying, no, stop it, don't mess with it, I like it. I, I just personally like it how it is. Okay. If they do add 
more like evolved shows and mm-hmm. stuff. I might, you know, take a look into it, but right now I'm just like, I think I have enough. Right. I don't think there's anything else I need, really. Right. I mean, you get every paper, you get WrestleMania for nine ninety nine. Right. Instead of what, if you bought it, it's like sixty bucks. Right. Yeah. You know? and that is a big thing. If they, yeah. if they get rid of pay per views to a lower tier and they get rid of free pay per views, I, I expect a dramatic dip oh, yeah. in subscriptions moving forward. I think that's something that WWE needs to be extremely careful with as mm-hmm. far as uh, as touching that. Okay, moving on from the business side of professional wrestling, let's move into more storyline. We And we talked about last week a little bit, a possible elite invasion. Now, for those of you who don't know who the elite are, what they are, what they are, basically the elite is a group of superstars uh, who wrestle for a couple different promotions, both New Japan Pro Wrestling as well as Ring of Honor here in the States. Um, it is composed of a group of guys, the Young Much, which are a tag team, Kenny Omega, who's the current IWGP Heavyweight Champion as of this recording, uh, Cody Rhodes and Hangman Page. Now, you guys may recognize the Cody Rhodes name. He did wrestle for WWE for quite a few years, former Intercontinental Champion, just to name a few. But these guys have been the hot topic of the professional wrestling world outside of WWE. They have their own show called Being the Elite. They have uh, their own Funko Pops. They have shirts and Hot Topic. They're doing everything they can. They are a massive marketing juggernaut, to say the very least. There have been rumors... There have been talks that there's a possibility that they could be joining the WWE in the near future. Um, just right, just right off the top, is this something that the WWE needs? We we know that ratings are down. We know that viewer interest has is waning a bit as far as the ratings are showing, as well as the. Um, as well as Twitter, as you can see, anytime Monday Night Raw is on, it's just complaint after complaint after oh, yeah. complaint. Does WWE need us? Do, do they need this kind of infusion of talent to completely change the landscape in order to get people extremely excited about the product again? I think they really need this. And I'm just going to say it because when guys come over, especially if you bring someone like Cody Rhodes, who everyone knows, and now like everybody know like everyone knows is a big guy and all the big fans of Mm -hmm. like the young bucks and everything Mm -hmm. i I mean i think you can bring in a lot more viewership Mm -hmm. especially if they i think we're gonna talk about later but they totally come in and take over Mm -hmm. with this evasion Mm -hmm. and they just start you know young bucks win tag championships and you know you get some world championships in there and everything and they just take over i think Everything will boost up. Mm-hmm. I think ratings will be like, wow, who are these guys? They're so good at what they do. Mm-hmm. I think they really need this to... Right, to really... Just, but now, let me let me play devil's advocate here for a minute there. I, I was watching a recent TED Talk by Eric Bischoff, who, who mentioned something in, in relation to the media and professional wrestling and how they kind of use the same tactics as far as promoting and, and getting you to feel something. Now... The WWE does a very nice job of provoking a feeling, good or bad, mm-hmm. right? But I think that Eric said something very poignant and very, something that stuck out to me as I was watching. He says, as long as you're feeling good or bad, business is good. Now, clearly, a lot of people don't feel good about the current product, but people still are talking about it. Yes. People are still watching, whether it's it's still 2.3 million people every week are watching this television show. Yeah. It's not something to where we're seeing a dramatic drop like we saw in the mid-1990s where you know you saw live events dropping and everything. Mm-hmm. Even though attendance may be down, you're still talking about it every single day. You're still talking. Even if it's complaining, at the end of the day, 
you're still talking about the product. Mm-hmm. Does that matter? Does that I, does that affect anything? In WWE's like, put yourself in Vince McMahon's yep. shoes. Do you think that that matters? I think the only worry they have from that point of view is after once a certain point hits, people are just gonna go. There's no point in complaining anymore because they're not gonna change, mm-hmm. and then they're just gonna go. I'm just gonna not watch. Right. Like right. right now, some people like just don't watch. Like I'll be honest, sometimes I don't watch. Right. I think it's three hours and nothing happens. Right. Um. But some people, you know, they go on Twitter, they're like, oh, this show sucks, oh, this, oh, that, or whatever. And mm-hmm. to your point, right. they get people talking. However, I think eventually everyone's just going to be tired of just every week going on Twitter and saying this show sucks. Right. And they're just going to be like, you know what? There's no point. I'd rather watch Monday Night Football right. or the college mm-hmm. football playoff or whatever mm-hmm. happens instead of Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're going to see the big drop. And then mm-hmm. it's going to be hard to bring those people back. Right. Once you completely lose them. Okay. Now, now to 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 piggyback off that thought, right? So let's just say, for instance, this group of gentlemen, the elite, they don't go to WWE, right? Mm-hmm. They don't go. There's been also some rumors of them starting their own wrestling promotion, all elite wrestling. That's kind of been trademarked by them. Do you think that if they don't come and they do start this new promotion, now we know that they've they did their own self promotion with the All In event a few months ago, which was a massive success. Mm-hmm. Does that have any hindrance on whether or not the WWE takes notice? Because if they don't go to WWE and they don't stay in Ring of Honor, they don't stay in New Japan, they don't do what they're doing currently Mm -hmm. where they're reaching an audience, a quite a large audience, but not as big of an audience. We're kidding ourselves to say that New Japan and Ring of Honor have the same audience size as WWE. It's not true. Mm -hmm. But do you think with them starting their own promotion and bringing in the top talent that other people, that that minority wants to see, at some point, with enough money and funding behind them, we know, for instance, that the Jacksonville Jaguars owner, Shad Khan, has been rumored to be funding some of this project. That's a lot of money that could be potentially backing this. Do you think that that's going to force WWE's hand in order to, A, improve the storyline quality, and, or two, to make sure these guys do sign on the dotted line and join the big flagship? I I think... This all elite wrestling is going to put a major thing on WWE mm-hmm. because if they don't go and get these people mm-hmm. and they do start this company, I think you're going to see a lot of people. Once they start noticing too, if they hold a couple of all ins and they hold a couple of these bigger shows and stuff, and right. people will go, oh, what's all in? And then you watch the quality of like Kenny Omega and Pentagon Jr. Right. and you watch that six man tag that was cut short, but right. also one of the better matches I've ever like yeah. of the year. Right. And you have all these A-plus matches on these shows, and you go, why am I watching WWE, right. who puts on Baron Corbin versus Finn Balor every single week? <laughs> That's going to be the running joke for this entire show, I'm telling you right now. Every single week, where you could be watching you know, some of the best tag team wrestling, or just some of the pure best wrestling in general, right. on other promotions, then it's going right. to get people's eyes open to what else is going on other than WWE. Right. Yeah, that's that's so, a great point. And you know, I know M is kind of sitting over here like, yeah, I don't even know sometimes who half of these people are, but <laughs> she does like the flip. So I'm thinking she's on elite, the elite coming to WWE as well. Uh, also, what, what you got, Mike? I also got one more thing. So, um, New Japan Pro Wrestling is putting on one of their biggest shows. Actually, their biggest show. It's like their WrestleMania, Wrestle yep. Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom. Yep. And going through the card, you know what's very interesting about the card that I've noticed? What's that? The entire elite team, as in like Cody, the yep. Young Bucks, yep. and all of them, they're not even scheduled to be on the show yet. 
Wow. None of them. Right. Cody doesn't have a match. Right. The Bucks won't be that's in a, a tag that's a, team that's match. That's surprising, considering Cody is the IWGP United States Yeah, and he's not even... I mean, he might, as of this recording, he's right. not right. scheduled to have a match. Right. And he's going to be defending his title later. So I don't like... Mm-hmm. The only person that's going to be having a match is Kenny because he's a champion. Right. But, you know... And that's something I think that we I should definitely keep an eye on, and especially because we do know their contracts are up at the end of the year. Yeah. And we also have to pay attention to the final battle. I was about to bring that up too, which is something we're going to be doing an in-depth review on uh, next week, as far as what do we think is going to happen, and we'll kind of dive in a little bit more about what the elite's going to do, and we'll have some predictions for you there. Let's segue now to a more lo- to more locally, and we're going to talk about the Detroit Red Wings. Now we te- we mentioned last week we talk about all sports, so Tigers fans, please bear with us. Next week we got you, I promise. But we're going to segue now to the other team that's been in a rebuilding phase now for a couple of years. The Detroit Red Wings, obviously, we know the 25-plus year streak of making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We've been now in the past couple of years where they've been in kind of a rebuilding mode. A lot of infusion of young talent. You know, Zetterberg's no longer with the team. You know, Fedorov, or I'm sorry, not Fedorov. Lidstrom's been retired for a couple of years now. They're in year three of this rebuild. How much longer... Until the playoffs are supposed to be expected again. Now, when I say expected, I don't mean expected as every single year mm-hmm. when we have a quarter century of time <laughs> where we're there and it's kind of a given, right? I think Red Wings fans kind of got spoiled with that. But where this team is going to be competitive once again, is it this year? Is it next year? Is it the year after that? Is it when do you think it's time for this team to have a little higher expectations than other than they're young, it'll get there at some point? Yeah. I believe. Um I think it's going to be closer to next year. Okay. I think this year you see major improvement from mm-hmm. some of your younger players. Right. I mean, last year they didn't do so hot, and now you know you're sitting at a little over 500. Yep. I think they're 13, 12, and one as of this recording right now. Right. Something yep. around that range. Big win over Mike Babcock, yeah. their former coach. Yep. Six five win, no time. So, um, I mean, I think the young players about to start developing very soon. I mean, they already look, you know. Yeah, you a got, little bit. You, I, you mean, can, you, I mean, you've got pieces, right? Larkin yep. obviously has played really well. Mantha at times has been extremely yep. explosive for them. Athens CU is another guy that people are taking a look at. You had a pretty nice draft this past offseason, stealing a couple players that people thought would go earlier than they did. You made a couple nice trades. You got rid of Mrazic. You got rid of Tatar. You got some first-round value back for them. I think that those are some moves made by GM Ken Holland. I think that not only helped... You know, kind of, you know, throw away the notion that he has lost it completely. And I think it kind of tempered expectations and kind of allowed the fan base to breathe a sigh of relief. Like, okay, we're not just sitting here. We're not being stagnant. We're, we're, we're slowly but surely reloading for, for a future run. But staying on that point, though, in the front office, Ken Holland's contract ends at the end of next season. Um, do you think that he's here? Now, the reason I bring this up is there's been a lot of talk of Steve Eiserman, former vice president of the team, coming back to Detroit. His family still lives here. He resigned as the uh, as the Tampa Bay Lightning's general manager earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. He wants to be closer to home. He wants to be with his family. I mean, it's a lot of teams, like the Philadelphia Flyers have already said, they'd love to have Eiserman as their GM, but they think they have no shot because they think he's coming to Detroit. Is it? Is it? Is it finally time for the kid to come back home? Is it time for Eisman to come home and lead this franchise? I, I do. Um, I look at all sports almost the same, mm-hmm. and I can compare this a little bit to football. I right. think you have the coach right now that's building the team up, right. but I don't know if he'll get you to that next level. Right. I think um, you can 
um, after you know this year they develop, next year they develop. You know, if they don't do, if they keep stagnant where they are, mm-hmm. like this year to next year, I think it would be time to make the change. Right. However, if you do see a massive increase in production from your players, mm-hmm. and you know you start winning these closer games and mm-hmm. the bigger games and mm-hmm. stuff, and you make a run to the playoffs, right. then it's kind of like. I don't know if you can make the move then to mm-hmm. switch them out. Right. Yeah, and, and that's something that's pretty important too, right? Holland, obviously, we know at the time when Steve Eisenman left the franchise the first time, was unwilling to step out of his general manager role and become a team president, a team advisor, what, what have you. And Steve Eisenman went on to have pretty great success with the Tampa Bay Lightning, as many Red Wings fans know, because the Lightning knocked us out of the playoffs like three years in a row. <laughs> so that was a great time. Oh, yeah. But... You mentioned the development of young players and as well as the coach, Jeff Blaschel. Now, do you think he survives this rebuild? As you mentioned, if we don't see the growth like Mm -hmm. we're expecting to see, let's just let's just play let's just play with this idea for a minute that Holland does through the next end of next year, Eisman's brought in at the end when Holland's contract expires. More than likely, and we can apply this to any major sport, like you said, where usually a new general manager wants to bring in his own coach. Yes. It's kind of the same. And I've heard this this kind of, you know, this fantasy for a lot of Red Wings fans as the Red Wings would hire Steve Eisen to be the general manager, and then they'd fire Jeff Blaschel and go get uh, Coach Q, the former Chicago Blackhawks head coach, who mm-hmm. won three Stanley Cups in the past, like, ten years. So that's a dream that people have been saying that would be something that a lot of people have been looking forward to. Does Jeff, is Jeff Blaschel the guy though, or do you think that it is completely contingent upon the next two seasons on whether or not he stays on? The I job? think it's it depends on if he does well these two seasons. Mm-hmm. I think that's for like anything though. You know, if like you're not getting the best out of your players, if you're not developing, then like right. why keep you there? And that's the reason why he was hired in the first place, right? Exactly. It was he was that he was their coach when they were in Grand Rapids. So you think okay, yeah. you're, you have a rapport with these guys. Mm-hmm. You should be able to coach them up to exactly. the best of their ability. And if he's you know sitting there and you know they're this year, say they end with like forty wins. Right. Next year, they end with forty one. It's like there's, like, what are you doing? Right, exactly. So yeah, it's we're not almost, seeing anything. It's like way. where the Lions had. That's my thing with Jim Caldwell with the Lions. If you want to bring that in a little bit, it's right. like, you hit like nine and seven. You got to the playoffs, and then you didn't really see much improvement. Improvement. Right. You hit that ceiling. So it was right. like, all right, sorry, we have to get ready. Like we right. need that guy to really just take us over the top. take us over the top. Right. So I'm just like, if. They, I mean, now granted, if next year they go crazy and they make a playoffs and they hit the Stanley Cup Finals, right? Okay, now you have something. Yeah, like, now you have something, great. and then it's a if tough that situation. Happens, that's yeah, a whole that's a whole craziness. craziness. But yeah. as of right now, <laughs> it's you know right, absolutely. I would absolutely. say most likely you kind of just switch. Right. Yeah, you yeah. switch them out after right. you develop, but it could be. I think it's going to depend really, and I think that uh, just, just for record's sake. I do think the Wings need to make this move. I think that they need to get Eisenman back. He's clearly making a play to say, listen, I'm willing to come back. I want to come back. I want to be with the franchise that I played my entire career with. I want to take this team to the next level. And we've he's shown the fact that he can do the big deals with the big blockbuster free agents. You've seen the fact that he can draft well. Tampa Bay has consistently been one of the better teams in the NHL. They've made Stanley Cup final runs. Clearly, Eisenman knows what he's doing. I expect it to be something where... It's a total facelift for the whole organization, um, hopefully in the next coming years. And we'll kind of monitor the situation as the season progresses. We're going to segue now to the NFL. And unfortunately, I wish we were talking about something a little more less controversial. But yeah. we're going to be diving right into the Kareem Hunt situation. As many of you know, Kareem Hunt, running back from the Kansas City Chiefs, 
had a phenomenal breakout rookie season last year and is now a free agent after a video resurfaced online of him getting into an altercation with a woman. There may have been some kicking involved. We're not going to go into it that far. But long story short, he was released pretty much immediately by the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, first off, I'm going to ask both you, Em, and Mike, What's your thoughts on the situation? And we're going to start with you. What What do you take? The reason why we're asking is because you offer some insight that may be a little bit different than Mike or myself. Because you look at it from the perspective of if you were in that same situation, um, what What exactly are you feeling? Do you think that they were right to do it? There's some reports out there that he only got released as quickly as he did because the video surfaced. And if there was no video that he may still be on the team because there's a lot there's more hearsay than anything. It's one of those it's a, one of those weird situations. So, you know, asking you as a strong, powerful, independent woman like you are, what exactly what are your thoughts on the, on the incident as a whole and how the Chiefs responded? So, first of all, I think this incident coming to light in the today's climate um, with a push for feminism and really addressing um, abuse against both women and men mm-hmm. um, is really it's, Really not great for Kareem Hunt's career. Um, clearly, clearly. At all. Right. So, it's yeah, just a, it's a really yeah, loaded exactly. time. And I think the Chiefs, from a PR standpoint, yeah. really had... No choice. No no choice at all. Mm-hmm. And, and the argument is, well, obviously they shouldn't have had a choice regardless of the climate. I think that while you may argue like, hey, it's his job. Like mm-hmm. if this would have surfaced that a person working at a finance job at an automotive company, would, you know, would they have lost their job? Right. I mean, if you're convicted of a felony, that does that could put your job, you know, in peril. And, you know, and you bring up a great point, right? Because and I was talking to some friends of mine where they basically said the same thing. Like, you know, if this wasn't the NFL and you weren't an independent contractor like you are in the NFL, you get into that weird situation where you get accused of something, yeah, but you don't get fired necessarily. You know what I mean? And there's that blurry gray area where I think sometimes, you know, you get into that situation where say, say there wasn't a video, right? I think the video was very key here in this situation. Ray Rice obviously is the perfect example of that, where there's there's clear video evidence that he completely just cold cocked his fiance at the time, and it was you know a disgusting act. Where you know there's been other instances, Greg Hardy for instance, where he was accused, con- even convicted in a court of law, and was still signed by the Cowboys that next season and played. So. I, I mean, there's some there's some give and take there. I, I mean, do you think that if if there wasn't a video that he'd he'd still be on the team right now? Maybe even maybe be suspended, but he'd still be getting actively paid by an NFL team. So, as a woman, I think that it is so important to address these issues, but also we don't want to create a Salem witch trial environment mm-hmm. where hearsay can end people's lives and people's careers. I'm glad you explained that because some of our viewers may not know what trials are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, if someone's like, hey, you don't want, it happens in politics and business, everything where people make accusations and if there's no basis for those accusations, it one, invalidates women and men who have really suffered through abuse Mm -hmm. and then two, it just creates this whole other problem where people are, you're able to threaten people. And that's really horrible right. um, and definitely not something we want to see. But, I mean, there's a video evidence. It's concrete. People can't ignore it. But I think the NFL, because so many young men, women, adult men and women look up to these players and right. really they're, they're role models. A finance analyst at a company right. could be role models in his community maybe, but really not on such a large scale. Right. These They're influencing future generations, and the NFL has had so many incidents of abuse. Yes. And college football, coaches – 
Everyone, it's all coming out left and right. And I think the NFL now really has to crack down on changing this perception because if you let, you know, it was just one time, it was one incident, sweep it under the rug. Okay, so with the next guy, is it one time, one incident? And and that's exactly it. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Now, Mike, I know that, you you know, we've had these conversations before about other past incidents. Uh, What are your overall thoughts on, on what happened, how the Chiefs responded, Kind of, kind of, what just your overall thoughts on it are? I think they responded right. I think they did everything right. However, going into this next topic we're going to be talking about, I do think sooner rather than later he will be signed to another team. Okay. Okay. Um, I think there's going to be that one team. I can't pick him out yet. There's going to be that one team. Cuff, cuff, Washington. Cuff, cuff. <laughs> there's going to be that one team. I'm not going to name names. Yeah. That are just going to really. <laughs> they're really just going to you know. God, the situation was awful, but like how Dallas did. Right. They kind of were like, the situation was bad, but you're a really, really good player. Right. And, right. and we and, really, really need you. Well, and that's something, you <laughs> know, even that, right, and that's the thing. And, and, and you've read now on articles before, I know I read on, on a couple different sites where, you know, uh, anonymous NFL executives have, have come out and basically said, yeah, he'll sign. Mm-hmm. He'll sign somewhere else. Yep. It's it's pretty obvious because and and this is an exact quote. We can't help ourselves. We as NFL teams know that. Yeah, we're gonna sign this guy. Say everything gets swept under the rug. A buyout happens. You know whatever. He's yeah. not convicted. He, even if he is, honestly, as long even if he serves a little bit of jail time. At the end of the day, if an NFL team needs a running back, needs a running back and can help them win a team that's maybe on a Super Bowl run and they need that guy. Yeah, they're going to take some criticism. Yeah, they're going to take some backlash. But at the end of it, the positives for an NFL team, in their minds, completely outweighs the negatives. Forget about the message it sends to the rest of the world. Forget about the message it sends to a lot of these NFL teams. And I know this is something that people may not want to hear, but to a lot of these teams, winning is the be-all, end-all. Winning is, you know, jobs are determined by one kick. By one throw, by one run, by one second at a time. Jim Caldwell got fired for being a above 500 head coach for the Detroit Lions because he couldn't get them to that next level. Guys get fired for a lot less than doing what Kareem Hunt did. Now, Em, you're over here shaking your head and you, and you think this is completely ridiculous, which we totally agree with. <laughs> but too. at the same time, though... Am I wrong for saying that? Are, are the is the NFL executive? They're they're wrong in the way they think. Yes, but it, we've seen it before. We're gonna see it again. Kareem Hunt is clearly a talented player. It's just a matter of time, right? He's gonna get signed again. Or do you think that this is an opportunity for the NFL to be like, nope, we're finally gonna draw that line in the sand and say you're done, and you're out of the league, and there's no chance you're ever getting back in. Unfortunately. I fully believe that somebody else in the NFL will likely sign Kareem Hunt. I think possibly Washington. I have no no (laughs) prediction personally who will sign Kareem Hunt. But change your logo too while you're at it. Please. Yeah, I think the really yeah I I think it's really likely he'll get re-signed. I don't think it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I think. It is a opportunity for the NFL, but why I don't think any progress will necessarily be made is because, okay, so we draw the line at abuse of men, women, etc. Okay, well, what about excessive partying, drug use? Like, mm-hmm. these players, I mean, I could never imagine what it would be like to be operating at such a high level, whether from their business managers, their coaches, mm-hmm. these people all... We pay them lots of money to win win games. Right. That's their goal. They're machines. They're absolutely if, if you work at a company, your goal is to earn value for your 
for your stockholders, right? right? And so that's what their goal is. And there are people who will stop at nothing to get that. Mm-hmm. And you run into a lot of ethical drama. Like I said, we have, you know, drug use, DUIs, all sorts of stuff. Like, where well, where's the line? What is what is the well, NFL's I, moral code I, going to be? Well, to answer your question, that's a very thin moral code. <laughs> let's be real. But at the, at what I think is the, is the line, and that kind of leads us to our next topic of, should there be a new mandate on the NFL for these types of cases? Now, I do feel that in certain circumstances, the DUIs and some of that stuff, you see the NFL, you know, you get suspensions, you see those sorts of things happen, but the domestic violence issue, not just in the NFL, but obviously nationwide, is becoming a very hot-button issue. Now, do, but to my point, the NFL clearly, like they said, they can't help themselves. They're gonna, someone's gonna sign this guy, and he's gonna help a team win. It's just how it is. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to like it, but you're gonna learn to live with it because it's gonna happen. But more of the question: Is this an opportunity for the NFL to say, "We hear it, we see it, we know there's a problem." Now, the, I know they team up with charities, the Susan G. Cohen thing. They do the whole the army thing every week. You know, the vil- the military stuff. As we know, those connections and partnerships are a little farce, and I'm sure we'll dive deeper into that another time. But do you think at any point in time, is there ever going to be a number, or does it have to be somebody that is not a superstar for it to happen before they finally do it? If this was a backup, backup, backup kicker, you know what I mean, who was doing this, the NFL I don't think would have any problem booting that player out of the league. We wouldn't be talking about it. Exactly. that, And I think that's the issue that we have. I think, is it is it partially on us to force the NFL? Is that by not watching the games anymore, by boycotting it, by not spending money on the league? I mean, uh, for me, it's going to be really hard for me not to watch football on Sundays. However, if the player I look up to the most or my favorite player, you know, on the Lions goes in and starts beating people up and beating his kids or doing whatever he has to do, it's one of those things to where you, you have to find that within, is it, is it on the viewer at this point? Or is it on the NFL to be like, we're, we're no longer going to find this acceptable. And if you're convicted, I guess that's the line. Is it conviction? Is it accusation? Or is that a slippery slope to where you're banning people from the league and then you, you got a, a worse product because of it? Where Where is that line? Is it is it simply you're accused, there's video evidence, you're gone? What is it? Is, is there a line? Does the NFL value women more than winning Super Bowls? I guess is the question. Do they value... Stay away from that answer. (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to answer for the NFL. I'm sure they're listening right now and they probably already hate us for even bringing up this topic. So They know it's going to come up. Just like people protesting the national anthem at football games. There's all sorts of loaded issues in sports. Mm -hmm. This is just... It's just another another Mm storyline. I mean... As a woman, do I know if I'd be like, honey, you have to turn off the NFL game. We can't watch or support this. Right. But there's all sorts of, there's other players. Like, as a player, let's say you are a good, upstanding right. NFL player. You take your role seriously. You realize how you impact young men and women with your behavior. I would be furious with the continued, like, just allowing mm-hmm. people. Like, mm-hmm. if I hear other business professionals stealing from companies, abusing their power, letting faulty products go through as a business professional, that right. ticks me off when right. people get away with it. You're one of the few. I don't know if that's true. true. Whatever you do, and if you're good at what you do and you're a good person, it should frustrate you knowing that Kareem Hunt, you know, 
blatantly abused a woman got caught and it's very possible he's going to go make a couple million dollars a year now well and, and that's you know and that's a great point that you just made now and mike i don't know how you feel about that but she makes a great point where should it should it be even to put it further not just on the league but on the players themselves to be like hey man you're making us look bad Okay, I'm I'm a father. I, I have three kids. I have a wife at home. You're now affecting me. You're affecting my paycheck. You're affecting the way I make my livelihood. Mm-hmm. We know NFL's careers are so short. Is that something to where even now NFL players who have who have you know these Walter Payton Men of the Year type guys are going around and saying, you know. This is unacceptable. I will not play for a team that wants to employ somebody that has this, right? That has been accused of this and has been proven guilty or has video evidence of this. If the Lions sign Kareem Hunt tomorrow, I'm guessing there's going to be some guys in that locker room that aren't going to be real thrilled to see him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So is that something that the players that have to start taking? Or do you think it's going to turn into one of those Colin Kaepernick situations where, whoa, you're you're... you're saying yeah. things against the team and against the league. That's not cool. You better hope yeah. you don't start sucking because if not, you're going to get blackballed by the league. That's hard. I mean, it could. It really could go either way. Mm-hmm. And I guess it'll just take a couple months or whatever to find out. Right. I do think I think it's going to go into the offseason. Like, mm-hmm. first day of free agent frenzy yeah. is going to tell you everything you need to know. Right. And, and the draft. And, and the, the draft. draft right. All that stuff, you know. Yep. If... You know, that one team or the two teams that really need that running back and free agency frenzy comes up, which we'll be covering. Yeah, oh, absolutely. For future oh, you better be ready. You guys. guys better be ready for that. <laughs> we'll have a whole day worth of that That's stuff. That's going to be bananas. But um, when that comes around and those teams that need the running back don't pick them up, and then in the draft, they they use their first round pick on a running back. Right. I think then you're looking at the Colin Kaepernick situation. But then there could be the team where the coach goes, hey, guys, you know. We're almost there. We need a running back. Right. He's and the piece. He, we he's think there. he's the piece. How would we feel about, right. you know, I know what he did, but right. if we right. brought him in, would right. this work? There's probably a team out there that everyone would go. Right. And I, and I guarantee yeah. you, and I guarantee you too, the way that the, any NFL team would spin it. And I think you're, I think you're dead on as far as the timeline. Obviously, no one's going to pick them up now. No, no one's going to pick yeah. them up in the offseason until after they've already made all their big acquisitions in free agency and in the draft. Yep. However... What will happen is, as soon as, like you said, week four, week five, week six, all right, we're in it, we're kind of in it, playoff run, we need that guy. Yep. It's been long enough where people aren't talking about it anymore. It's kind of been swept under the rug. Maybe That's when it gets We know it's gonna suck, but we're gonna we're gonna spin it in the we're gonna you know everybody deserves a second chance you know and, and I feel I can already feel that press conference from a certain team in the D.C. area coming my way pretty soon here you know and, and you know and, and it's it's something where you just go gross and it makes your skin crawl a little bit you know unless it's your team right and then you kind of have to morally justify it within yourself that is something that we're definitely going to have to keep a major watch on and. We're gonna we're gonna not let this topic die, and we're gonna really you know zero in on it as time goes on, and well, I'm sure we'll bring it up more when free agency kicks off after the draft, you know, in the first couple weeks of the season, depending, especially how the Lions are doing, you know, what we need to see and all that good stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah by the way, Washington fans, you probably hate us. Right <laughs> hey, but, I mean, but if it <laughs> makes you feel any better, I got nothing for you. Sorry. <laughs> right. So last topic of the day, last topic for this episode. We're going to talk about the most hated man in Michigan. 
Or at least he should be, for the most part. And no, I'm not talking about Jim Harbaugh. I'm talking about or the uh, yeah, or Matt Stafford, <laughs> or the Red Wings goalie, or the Red Wing or the the Tigers reliever pitcher. Okay, we're not talking about any of those guys, and not Matt Patricia either. We're talking about Urban Meyer. Now, Urban Meyer came out in the earlier this week and is officially retired, quote unquote. He's he's turning over the team over to to his offensive coordinator Ryan Day. My first question reading this article is, why now? And the first thing I thought of was, A, NCAA violations are coming right now. And I feel like he just completely set up his offensive coordinator to take this heat, and he did something wrong, and it's coming. As we know, same similar situation happened at Florida. He left. Some things went down. Obviously, the whole... Aaron Hernandez thing happened kind of under his watch. We're not going to talk about it. But there's some things that happened at the University of Florida underneath his watch and that further hurt the university as a whole after he left. So my question to you, Mike, is why why now? What's the reason? Is it just because he's done? Is it because he's won enough? They didn't make the college football playoff like we talked about last week. So clearly they're not getting it done enough. Is it just simply he's old, he wants to be at home, or is something else to this? I look at it as a situation, again, you can take it from other sports. I think, say at the end of the season, if mm-hmm. Bill Belichick were to retire, right. or you know, one of those big-name coaches, if Nick Saban right. got out of there, right. or whatever, you just look at it and you go, what else is there to do? Right. You know, Nick Sa- or um, Urban Meyer, you know, he has his championship in right. what, 2015 with yep. Zeke when they upset Alabama and yep. the championship. Yep. Um, he's one straight quarterback nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he has so many big 10 championships now, you know, he's got, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he coached at Florida and he was, he got a couple there. I mean, right. like what, where would you go from here? Ohio say, Oh, you'll just have another 11 two season next year. Right. He's never had a season under 10 wins, guys. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. well, I mean, like, I mean, been, I mean, the record, I mean, he has been a top coach in, in you know, in college football. There, there's no, there's no debating that, right? Um, but and to come back to this, do, do you think this is it, though? You're saying that what it left does he have to prove? Is that, I mean, are you telling me right now that as of this moment, we will never see Urban Meyer on the sidelines again? I think it'll be a, a little bit of time before, at, at least a little bit of time if we see right. him again. I don't know. I mean, he is getting up there in age. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he would even. I mean, he does. I'll give him this. He does have that. What was it? The brain tumor that yeah, we were talking the, about. Yeah, he's he got some sort of brain cyst. A headache. I mean, suck it up. I mean. How much? I mean, he's had surgery on it like three times yeah. already to yeah. try and to drain it. And we do know that there are reports that that was affecting him during the yeah. season this year. I mean, I think from the point of there's nothing much left for him. I mean, mm-hmm. he wins another championship. I mean, it's another championship. It's just he's, another, already got, he's already it's, got. Several. It's a Bill Belichick thing where it's right. like he wins another one. Okay, he goes from four to five, right, or whatever, right. five yeah. to six or whatever it is right now. Right. I can't even keep track because they're in every other year or, or whatever. But, I mean, like, it's just like, what else? I mean, unless he went to another school and turned right. them around, right. I mean, what else do you really need to see from him? Right. And I guess that's, I mean, that's my that's point question of view is, from it. Going based off that, going based off of all the allegations that have happened from schools that he's left, going based off the fact that he's got multiple national championships under his belt in two different programs, nonetheless, 
what's his legacy? I think top he, five, top ten. You know, obviously Saban's gonna be up there. You know, yeah. he he's got three championships. There there isn't a ton of guys that that have done what he's done and gone to multiple programs and won championships. So he's in a unique sort of class. You know, mm-hmm. nobody that Michigan can talk about. Oh no. So you look at you look at who you have. It, it's Saban. And then who? At least in the modern era. I was going to say modern. You can go back and talk about some of these other guys. You can talk about Bo. And even Bo didn't win national championships. You know, you can talk about some of these other guys that were at Notre Dame and Oklahoma. You know, you can talk about, um, you know, a lot of different guys. But in the modern era, in the past 25 years. Yeah, I think when you ask people, they're going to go, so uh, who do you think's like, you know, top three coaches? Right. In the last 10, 15, 20 years even, right. that you've seen, I think, name one, Nick Saban. I think, what, name two probably is Urban Meyer. Right. I, I mean, I can't really off the top. Like, like, when you, when you, when you, say, co- when you say college coach, and yeah. it's not like Michigan, Michigan State, you right. know, Big you Ten. Think, yeah, you think you, Urban you go, Meyer. You, you go, Nick Saban, Urban Meyer. Meyer. Right. That's the first two that come to your mind, Absolutely. like, just like that. And then even three, if you don't name Jim Harbaugh or whatever. Right. Three. Name, like, SEC school. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Nick Saban. Right. What's his face? You know, right. in that school or whatever. I get Jimbo Fisher, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, Texas A&M looked real good. Um, <laughs> and just from just from an outsider's perspective, you know, you're obviously not the average college football watcher. But what what do you think it is? I you know, obviously you have a little bit of background with some of the allegations. You know, we were talking about it earlier this week. Um, but I I mean. What what is it to you? You know, you look at him. Obviously, he's taken Michigan to Poundtown. You know, every year since he's got there, is that it? Basically, is that he's a great coach, and you know, and he's going to go down as one of the best ever? Because I think there's more than that. But I want to hear what you think. So, as a person who, for most of my life, up until I had the pleasure of starting to date you, was not really <laughs> a super huge sports fan. You hear that? Um, she likes me, guys. She likes me a lot. But, <laughs> I mean, I really enjoyed beginning to learn about sports and the impact that some of these people have just had on society as a whole. And Urban Meyer is a win-at-any-cost kind of guy. He would sign yeah. Kareem Hunt. And so I have lots of friends who went to Ohio State and are huge Ohio State football fans, and I know he's had a lovely impact on their college football season. Who do you think and you're terrible people. The people there are people at the company people. I work at. We recruit at Ohio State. <laughs> Unless you listen to this all I'm always right podcast, in which case we love you. But if you don't, well, yeah, we, I stick by my original comments. But the point is I think Urban I think as a coach and a like as a winning like a wins losses like developing great players probably one of the best like right. you can't argue that right. but I mean is he part of what perpetuates a problem in football with like yes. a win at any cost and allowing these things his coaches there's been issues with his players I mean and that and that's it right is and that's where I kind of am. I'm in the middle I'm kind of like where you're at and where it's win at any cost yes but. I think his legacy as a coach is going to be tainted for his legacy as a person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Aaron Hernandez stuff, this the assistant coach beating his wife, the, you know, the, the off-field accusations and, you know, and the fact that he left, you know, Florida and a little bit of shambles there when he left. It's one of those, 
man, you know, and he, honestly, I'll be honest with you, just based off of press conferences and things I see, he doesn't seem like the best person to talk to either. I'm going to nope. be real with you. Jim Harbaugh seems like he's a dry sock to talk to, but Urban Meyer just seems like a jerk. I'm sorry, but it just, just to me, that's how he comes off. So I think that his legacy as a coach is definitely always going to be affected by out by things off of the field. And I think that that's where he's going to be unable to ever really outrun those ghosts is is those types of serious, serious allegations that have been attributed to time underneath him. Mm-hmm. That That's really tough to overcome. Yes. Real quick, before we sign off for the night, are you happy as a Michigan fan that he's gone? I'm, or are you kind of mad that you didn't see, beat him? I'm mad that... Okay, I have very mixed emotions about this <laughs> as a Michigan fan. So I'm like... I wish, you know, we lost with the last seven or six. I mean, it's a, I don't want to talk it's about a long it, yeah. record right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish, you know, there was a, I wish like this year would have been the year. I do get if all the players from Ohio State knew that he was leaving, right. that was like his game, like his yeah. like last game. That's Who cares a, about this Washington swan game? Yeah, whatever. That's a swan song. It's yeah. literally like, okay, we're going to play the number one defense in the country. It's my last game. Everyone played good, and they beat us by like 30. Right. But I wish we would have beat him. However, with him leaving... There's been, you know, stuff going around, you know, he's, he, Ohio State is losing some very good recruits. Key recruits right now, yep. Yeah, some of them have even flipped to Michigan. I think they got a five-star defense alignment that just flipped, I think, yep. yesterday. Okay. That went from Ohio State to Michigan and stuff. Awesome. So, like, I think, you know, you look at it, like, if it's like if Jim Harbaugh left, you go, oh, I don't really want to play for that well, guy. I think I'd it rather... is. It's one of those things where, who do you hire? I mean, he promoted yeah. from within, obviously, right? But that's like... I'm with you, where you're just like, yeah, if you're an Ohio State fan, you're like, man, that sucks. I mean, yeah, Ryan Day is awesome. He's a great offensive coordinator. But as we both know, being a really good offensive coordinator and or, being a really good head coach or defense coordinator are not the same thing yep. as being a head coach. Em, how do you feel about it? Is this good, bad, and different? Do you really care enough? Um, I'm excited to play Ohio State and hopefully not have to listen to people talk and complain about Urban Meyer for two and a half months straight surrounding the time <laughs> that the University of Michigan plays Urban, yeah. Urban Meyer. But um, I don't know. I, I think it's a little bit, it's a little crappy that, you know, you never yeah, beat the yeah, guy, yeah. that you never you never pushed pushed through. Um, if he doesn't come back to college football, like I said, will I, will I be super I, bummed out? I still no. have a small, small hunch. And I've seen this on Twitter from a couple of people that I follow uh, that there's just, uh, for whatever reason, I feel like he'd come back and coach Notre Dame just because he's, you know, the That whatever. is something he would do. Yeah, you know I mean, I, Brian Kelly's a great coach, so he may never even get the opportunity, but for whatever reason, that I would be shocked. Shot. I mean, do you think he would ever take, like, a lower role, like, no. as, like, an OC? Oh, 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 are you or kidding me? No. No, people with that kind of ego can't handle that. Maybe, but I mean, I'm just maybe like, like you no, know, he he's going to look at his hand and be like, wow, my hand hurts from carrying all this bling. Um, don't just add more. Yeah. <laughs> Go to right. Notre Dame next year. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, that's gonna be all for us today on the I'm Always Right podcast. We thank you so much for joining. Please tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Rob Mendeika. He's at at Mike Merkel. She's at E G Merk. Right? Am I right on that? Was yeah. That right. There's yes. nothing on there. Don't I was, follow it. I yet. was totally right. <laughs> and of course, follow the show at I'm Always Right PC on Twitter. Follow our SoundCloud account. Give us likes. Give us reviews. Send us texts. Send us messages. Let us know how we're doing. If you want to hear something specifically or you want to hear about a topic or a sport or a player, let us know. We can make that happen for you guys. Be on the lookout for more content later this week. You'll be hearing from us on Twitter. You'll be hearing from us on our personal accounts. We appreciate you so much for listening. Until next time, we out.